It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is teaching us that all life, that all matter is interconnected and interdependent. And what and also ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching us this for eons, that we're all one. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Enlightened Parenting with Meryl David uh, Land, Landau, <laughs> I always have trouble with names, and I, I, this one I wrote down. <laughs> but um, Meryl has written a book recently that just recently came out, and the title of the book is Enlightened Parenting, A Mom's Reflects on Living Spiritually with Kids. Now, I didn't, when we scheduled this program, I didn't realize it was actually going to be Mother's Day weekend. So it's just so appropriate to be talking about enlightened parenting on Mother's Day weekend. Welcome, Meryl, to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I just, you know, because we scheduled uh, this show months ago, and I didn't even look at the calendar when we schedule it, but everything happens in perfect divine timing. It's a perfect weekend, Mother's Day weekend, to be talking about enlightened parenting. So I agree, share. perfect. Yeah, perfect, perfect, everything, perfect divine timing. <laughs> Spirit knew it, I didn't know it. But um, <laughs> can you share, <laughs> share with our listeners uh, your journey, your spiritual journey, um, and and how you came about writing this particular book. So my spiritual journey began uh, when I was in my 20s, and I was exercising at the gym. I really didn't have much of a spiritual practice or spirit. You know, I kind of had a minor beliefs from growing up, but nothing that was really formed in any way. Um, And I was at the gym one day um, in New York City. I was on the exercise bicycle, and I'll never forget this because it was so profound for me. A person Uh walked by, this woman walked by, and I I say walked by, but sometimes I say she floated by. She was so (laughs) light. She was giving off such light. It's almost like she wasn't even walking on the ground. 
And I turned to someone on the exercise bike next to me and I said, who is that? And they said, she's the yoga teacher. So I got off my bike and I followed her into the room. I had never done yoga before. I wasn't really 100% clear on what yoga was. This was back um, several, you know, a couple of 25 years ago. So yoga wasn't Uh as popular then as it was now. And I just, that first yoga class, I just felt a connection with something larger than me in that class. And Mm -hmm. that was the beginning for me. So then I, after I went a number of times, I asked her for more, if she could give me more things to read. And uh, she pointed me towards Swami Sachidananda, who was her um, spiritual guru. And he's written quite a number of books, you know, in, Mm -hmm. in the yoga tradition and so got involved in that started teaching yoga started going on retreats I met my husband at one of his Swami Satchidananda's lectures we went on retreats together we did a lot of meditation together we read a lot of spiritual books and then we had children (laughs) and I'm sure (laughs) most of your readers who have children know that puts an end to a lot of that and rather abruptly I might say So here we were teaching yoga, we were going on all these retreats, and then we didn't have time for any of that. And Mm. after a very short while of that, I realized, okay, my spiritual practice is going to need to really change. And the number one way it's got to change is that I need to bring my spiritual practice into my parenting. Because I'm spending Uh so much of my time parenting, I need Uh to be trying to make that a more enlightened practice. I need to connect well, how, with my highest source. When right. How long ago was that when you first So you my, first children, had your my, first... my mm-hmm. son is 25 and my daughter is 21. She just graduated from college last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So oh, both of my children are now officially launched into the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um so the essays that are in my book, Enlightened Parenting, are essays that I started writing down in some form when they were much younger. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh-huh. if I, I would have an idea or a thought would come to me and I would kind of scrap, scratch it down. In some cases, it was just a, a thought. In some cases, I wrote out a whole essay. So um, a lot of the material that's in the book kind of had its genesis from when I was really in the thick of parenting younger children. Mm-hmm. And then right. I kind of decided I, I needed a little distance and perspective because things that seem so urgent when your children are little and then you get a little distance on them, you see them in a different way. So mm-hmm. I, wa- I, put the, I put the manuscript away and I waited a number of years until I decided to take it out of the drawer. So, mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. of course, now, and then the, of course the I reason, looked at it and realized I had to rewrite so much of it because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, the uh, reason, it's been a long time. The, re- uh, the reason I asked you how old your children were, because I was just wondering, it's, it's a, a very different world we're living in today, today as it was 25 years ago when you first had your children. So I understand it was, it was it, I would say it would have been much more difficult, you know, keeping your spiritual practice in parenting at that time, 25 years ago. Today, I think it's a world of difference where um, they have yoga classes, yoga mommy and me classes, you know, and I have uh, my grandson just turned seven, but he spent the summer with me last summer, and 
he was just sitting there one day meditating, and I didn't teach it to him. Um, he, you know, he was had his legs crossed Indian style, eyes closed. He was holding his hands, you know, with his um, pinky, with his pinky and his not pinky, his index finger and his thumb together like <laughs> a little mudra you there. see people like a little like a little buddha yeah he looked like right? a little buddha too right? he's around like that. but um so i was like where'd you learn that he said in school they teach he goes yeah, to a charter school, school in in new jersey they are, mm-hmm. right. they are teaching yeah. more yoga in more schools but it's still mm-hmm. i mean it, it and i agree with you it's wonderful and and kids are learning yoga and they're learning a little bit more about, about meditation but it's still mm-hmm. primarily taught kind of stripped of its spirituality. It's about mm-hmm. relaxing. It's about, it's about calming the kids down during the day or whatever. And, and I think all those things are terrific. So I agree with you from that standpoint, children are exposed to more of these things. Don't think as a parent, if your prime spiritual practice is something that takes you out of the house or that takes a lot of time in the day, mm-hmm. when you have children, you just, you lose that time. I mean, <laughs> having kids, having kids are great and I wouldn't train t- trader for the world, but you know, you can't right. just go away on a week long retreat when you've got a six month old right. or a, even a, right. even a five year old. I mean, it's just much harder. Mm-hmm. 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 So, true. so for yes. me, I'm very interested in how to bring spirituality pragmatically into a person's day to day life. So the novel mm-hmm. that I wrote, um, which came out about five years ago, called Downward Dog, Upward Fog. And the premise mm-hmm. of the novel is about a woman in her everyday life who discovers kind of new thought spiritual teachings and then wants to apply them into her everyday life. And I was very clear when I wrote that book that I didn't want the main character of that book to go to Bali or go to India or go um, some place where she's taken out of her regular life and then has this kind of spiritual epiphany, which is common in books of this that kind of genre. I really uh-huh. wanted her in her daily life with her work and her mother and her <laughs> problematic boyfriend. How does she bring these teachings into her life? And enlightened parenting is kind of similar because that's really something that I'm interested in is just uh-huh. in your everyday life, taking esoteric teachings and making them day-to-day. Uh-huh. And can you share with our listeners some of the tips that you share in the book? So the book is comprised of 55 essays, and uh-huh. I break it up into three sections. And so the three sections are attitudes and uh-huh. actions, And then the one that's probably the most important for Mother's Day to remind mothers is nourishing yourself. Because Mm -hmm. even though you don't have the same kind of time you used to have, you still do need to find the time to just work in, you know, small throughout the day, grounding practices or practices that really bring you back to your essence. But attitude, we'll start with attitude. So attitude is something that I think just requires the parent to kind of shift their thinking a little bit and not Mm -hmm. actually change things that you're doing. And so some of those things, for example, I I always say like um, if, if the Dalai Lama or the queen of England came to your home and was sitting at your table and they asked you to pass them the pepper or pass the ketchup, think about how you would do that, you know, with such 
royalty, with such reverence, with such appreciation. And then when you think about, you know, you have your child at the dinner table, how do you pass them the pepper? It's usually not the same. But mm-hmm. when, you, when you really think about it, you know, we love and adore our child much more than we would adore the queen or a celebrity or a famous person who might be sitting at our table. So to the extent that we can remember to do that in our daily life, to remember mm-hmm. how much we, we love and revere our child and kind of just use that opportunity throughout the day to remind yourself of that and then to act from that place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, one of the things. I think that when, we, when you think about when you first hold your newborn baby, and mm-hmm. so if everyone can just close their eyes for a second and just mm-hmm. envision it, doesn't matter what kind of birth you had, it doesn't, doesn't matter if it went the way you wanted or not, but the minute you held that baby, the mm-hmm. love that you feel pouring out of you, towards this precious newborn and it's just unconditional love that we yes. all feel. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about, okay, so now you have your child who just did something that maybe you're not that happy with, <laughs> but you have yes. that same unconditional love for them. So oh, if yes. you can, sometimes if you can just remind yourself of the way you felt when they were born and mm. then just bring that feeling into the moment, no matter Mm. what's going on with them or with your relationship with them in that moment, to just kind of remind yourself, they're the same person, I'm the same person, the love is the same. So just let it pour Mm -hmm. out of you um, as it did when they were were first born. Wow, I I love that. Uh, that, I I was just going to say I love that, um, visualizing that. And one of the things I, I share on this show is, Honestly, I I want that unconditional love because that's what oneness is all about, is unconditional Absolutely. love, understanding that everyone, not just your child, but everyone on the, on the planet is a part of you, just like that child that came out of you. And if you can remember that unconditional love, just like you said it, when you can envision it when they were born, and I do, I, I thought about the moment that my daughter was born, that was my first, because that was a natural birth, and I did get to hold her shortly back. This is back in the in, in 1980s where they didn't actually put the baby in your arm as soon as they popped out, which would have been nice. But when they right. got, got her all cleaned up and had me right. in my room, and I, I'll never forget just holding her and looking in her eyes and saying, okay, you are the one inside me kicking and doing all that. But, you know, that's just <laughs> – but, yeah, so when you go back to that and remember, like, and then apply that not just to your children, but apply it to everybody on the planet, everybody you meet. Absolutely. That same I agree with that. unconditional love, yes. I agree mm-hmm. with that. And I talked before about how sometimes it can be challenging to maintain a spiritual practice when you have children. But yes. also, it can enhance your spiritual practice when mm-hmm. you have children. And I think that that's one of the reasons, because all of a sudden, we feel this unconditional love pouring out of us that maybe we never even felt before. For some mm-hmm. people, having your child is the first time where you really experience that unconditional love. And mm-hmm. then, once you've had that experience, then you can help try to translate that 
into other people right. beyond your children. But your children can help jumpstart that sensation mm-hmm. for you. Very true. Yes, yes, yes. So true. So true. Actually, now, so somebody- I, I love that visualization of of going back to that moment when they first put your newborn baby in your arms and just when someone is really getting on your last nerve, just kind exactly. of stepping back and, and going, <laughs> going back exactly. to that place of unconditional love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And children, you know, they really can, you know, get on our very last nerve. Yes. And the reason yes. is because we have such love for them and such hope mm-hmm. for them and such dreams mm-hmm. for them. And if they, when they do things that maybe get crosswinds of that, sometimes that can really set us off. So one of the mm-hmm. other attitude changes that I really, probably one of the most important ones that I think for parents is to as much as possible let go of expectations because mm-hmm. it's so easy for us to, to buy into society's view of how our child, when they're younger, how they should behave. You know, mm-hmm. it makes me crazy when people say, is that a good baby? And what they mean by a good baby, of course, is, is it a baby who sleeps? Is it a baby who doesn't cry that much? As if right. a baby who's crying because they're uncomfortable somehow is not a good baby. But right from the beginning, we get those right. expectations from society <laughs> that a child should be quiet, a baby should be quiet, uh, a little I'm kid laughing. should stop running around I'm, places. Uh-huh. I'm laughing because that is exactly, I was, I was born in 62, and uh-huh. I was a preemie. I was only three pounds at birth, and I was in wow. the hospital for the yeah. I was in the hospital in the incubator for the first three months of my life, which is wow. all, that right there is an experience of a child not getting the 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 bonding with your parents from from jump. I didn't have that bonding, but then when mm-hmm. I got home, and I remember at um, very young age. As as early as I can remember, my parents would talk about how I cried all the time. He was just oh, wow. a cry, cry baby, and it made me feel so like, like, like you said, like I'm a bad child because right. I cried as a baby. <laughs> and I'm saying I heard this all throughout my childhood. Wow! <laughs> right? Yes. Right. Yes. And like you, and like you said, you were probably crying because first of all, you didn't have that connection in the first few months I say yes. I, there's a book there's a there's a scene in one of the essays that I talk about when my son was born and he was born with jaundice now today they send you home with the Billy Rubin blankets and lights but when my son was born they did that in the hospital so you couldn't go home with your child mm-hmm. so about you know after he's about two days and they were ready to release me from the hospital and the nurse said, you know, don't worry, we'll take good care of your baby. You go home and sleep and come back in the morning. And I went home and I came back first thing in the morning and I walked into the nursery and my son was screaming at the top of his lungs. Mm. And the nurse was just sitting there taking care of mm. another infant. And mm-hmm. when I walked over like frantically to pick up my son, she says to me, it's a cold, hard world out there. And you, you're Children, the babies might as well learn that because they're going to learn oh it at some point. Oh, my goodness. That Can is you believe so that? Can you believe that? But that was probably uh, the biggest gift a person could have given me because right mm-hmm. there I said, wow, what other people think about parenting, about children, about the world, 
Mm-hmm. I don't have to buy. I don't have to believe that. Just no, you don't have to buy that. Into it. No. I don't have to believe that. So that freed me up to think whatever other people believe about children, I don't have to believe. Whatever people right. say about babies, that oh, your your kid's making too much noise in this place. It's supposed to be quiet. Okay, you can believe that. I think kids mm-hmm. make noise. That's part of who they are. You know, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they run around. Exactly. That's part of who they are. And we've created this environment that's so child unfriendly. You know, our society mm. is so unfriendly to children that we don't allow them to run around or make noise like is natural for them. And mm-hmm. instead of saying, wow, it's unnatural how we're expecting these kids to be quiet in all of these places, we say, oh, our kid is disappointing us because they're not being quiet in all of these places. Mm-hmm. And so I think parents really need to let go of, I don't care what other people think. Right. If, my, if, my, if my child is not behaving in a way they like, if my child is not doing you know, their, all of their homework and they just don't want to do all of their homework, Okay, I'm not saying you should just accept it. You should talk to them, try to figure out what's going on. If they don't Mm -hmm. get A's on all their spelling tests, I know some of my neighbors, if their children don't get A's on all their spelling tests, they're in like second grade, I'm talking. You know, I'm not talking any grade where your grades actually mean anything. You know, (laughs) the parents get so worked up. Oh, my God, you better study more. You better stay home more. We're not going to do soccer anymore. It's taking you away. It's like, no, you know, let the child be. Yeah, and they'll figure it That's out. So They've true. got to find what works for them. Mhm. That is so true, and it and it's just so it's generations of generation of um, not allowing a child to be. Just let them be. Let them because it's free, you know. Let them be, yes. be free to yes. be who they are, yes. and let them discover and learn the way they uniquely want to learn. You know, it's. So true, and and I do I, it I believe it is a different day and time than when I was born in the '60s, and I think your your children were born probably in the late '80s, early early '90s. Yeah, in the early in the uh, early yeah. to the '90s. Yeah. So it is definitely a, a total. And my children were born in the in the early '80s, and so it is is definitely times have changed which uh, is great because science is showing um so much about how how important it is for that bonding um as soon as a newborn is born you know now they they'll put the baby on the on the mommy's tummy or or in the mommy's arms before the baby is even washed off just for that uh, initial bonding which is right. so important and, and and science has has um you know, discovered how important that is. So when I think about how I was just taken away and put in an incubator because I was, and this is like early 60s, and to be that small, you know, they weren't right. even sure if I, I mean, was going to make it. Yeah. Right. But, right, to be but, saved at that point, yeah. Yeah. So, wow, it's we've come a long way, which is good. But that is very, very, very <laughs> To some good. degree, we've come a long way. Yeah, with a birth, I yes. think we have come a long way. Although my son, you know, yes. was a natural at birth, and they, they put him right on my abdomen. But then when he oh, developed good. the the jaundice mm-hmm. is when they, they couldn't send him home. Mm, okay. All right. Well, my, my second, my son was a an emergency C-section. Uh, the cord was wrapped around his head, and so they well, did an emergency. C-section, and so I was completely out for the first few hours 
of his life because they put me under completely because it wasn't a, right. a planned C-section. It was an emergency right. C-section, so it was real frantic, you know. But, wow. um yeah. Right, but that's why that exercise that I talked about where you close your eyes and you envision the first time you, your child, you know, that you held your child in your arms. For some people, it, that's the second after they were born. And for some mm-hmm. people, it's not. But it really doesn't right. matter because no matter what kind of birth you had and no matter whether it went the way you wanted or whether it was in the place that you wanted or whether whatever the people who were there weren't, were supposed to be there who weren't, or whatever, it doesn't matter. The minute you right. hold that baby, all mm-hmm. of that goes out the window. Yes. It's just you and your love for this mm-hmm. new being yes. that's blessed your life. Yes. So, so, so true. Yes. So, and and now, then so it's about said, trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to remember. And you were saying that, that the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't ahead. mean to no, cut you ahead. off. <laughs> no, I was just, <laughs> just going to say, you said that the book is the, divided into three sections. The attitude was the first section. And then the second section um, was action. Action. Okay. A lot of times people want to jump right into action. You know, what can I Mm -hmm. do? What should I do? And sometimes when I've given talks about this book, a lot of times parents will say, what can I do so that my kids can be more spiritual? But Mm. I, for me, it's much more important what can I do as a parent so that I can stay connected with that oneness that you talk mm-hmm. about yes. and yes. then bring that to my parenting? And whether mm-hmm. my child meditates, whether my child seems to be you know, interested in spiritual practices, whether they seem to embrace the notions of spirituality, that's not that important. What's most important for you as the parent is am I connected and am I flowing that unconditional love as much as possible towards my children? So the actions that I talk about, even though a lot of these actions are actions that you can do with your children, mm-hmm. primarily that's because parents spend so much time with their children. And so, again, it's about bringing pragmatically spiritual practices to your family so that you can be doing them along with them. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, I had done a blog for Parents Magazine, five mindfulness activities you can do as a family. And, again, mm-hmm. the primary purpose is for the parents to be connecting themselves, but you're doing them with a family. So one is to take a listening walk, and that's really mm-hmm. to go any place, and whether that's a backyard or a park or whether that's a mall or whether that's a store, a supermarket, wherever you're going. But the purpose of it is let's spend a few minutes not talking and just really listening to the sounds that are always there that we ignore, that we don't pay attention to. So wow. that really does help, help to bring your focus um, to the present moment because mm-hmm. you're really you know, focusing on listening to the things that are around you. Similarly, when we eat, you know, a lot of times, you know, you go to a retreat and you eat so mindfully and then you go home and you, <laughs> you don't do that at all. So, you know, with kids, you know, you're not really going to, unless they're older teenagers, you're really not going to say, you know, let's have a silent meal. They're, they're not going to go for that. But I think right. with younger children, you can say, let's spend the first two minutes of this meal not talking and really 
feeling the food in our mouth. I mean, kids love this, you say, you know, smoosh around the food in your mouth and feel the way the ketchup squirts and feel the way the pea smushes when you, when you take a bite. And, and really getting them to focus on the way the food feels and the way the food um, tastes. And, you know, that's kind of a variation on John Kabat-Zinn, you know, who's a mindfulness pioneer. He talks about putting a single raisin in your mouth, and mm. I don't remember how many how many minutes, but it's a lot that you <laughs> that you don't swallow the raisin. One raisin, you really just you know feel <laughs> it in your mouth, <laughs> and that's a that's a really powerful mindfulness practice. But that's hard mm-hmm. for kids to do. So it's just mm-hmm. like kind of like in the beginning of the meal, let's just really focus on the food, and then after the first minute or two, you might say, okay, now we'll just eat regularly. But because you've started the meal mindfully, even when you just eat regularly, everybody does pay more attention and you pay more attention to what you're eating and how you're eating and how it feels. And then you can try a silent practice where you might say, you know, in a certain morning, let's try to be silent for, depending on the age of the child, 10 minutes, half an hour. And again, that's about really trying to bring your awareness to the present moment and when we mm-hmm. talk, we just, we're so busy thinking about what are we going to say and thinking about, you know, just what you're saying. And it's all focusing on words. And we miss so mm-hmm. much of how we're actually feeling in that moment. So silence, of course, you know, as you know, is a very powerful practice in general. But kids can do it too. You can do it as a family for a short period of time. And so right. why not try to introduce it really and see how it goes? Mm-hmm. So those are just yeah. some of the mindfulness activities that I think you can do as a family. But then there are other actions that I think parents should um, think about maybe bringing into their lives and their house. For example, you know, think about the art that you have in your house. Think about, you know, mm-hmm. what the decoration of your house is, what the feeling of the decoration of your house is. And is that the feeling that you want to be having when you're in and maybe it is. Maybe it's a very soothing or maybe it's energizing, whatever you're looking for. But I think a lot of times we kind of decorate mindlessly without mm-hmm. really thinking about how, how is this setting up the environment of our home that I want right. to live with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think who you hang around with. So think about, right. you know, are there elevating people that you know that maybe you could invite over that you haven't been inviting over? Um, you don't have to know them well, but maybe they're people from your yoga class or from your religious, if you're religious, you know, from mm-hmm. from um, your, your community. Just somebody right. who really elevates you, who makes you feel good. And right. then that's enough of a reason. You don't have to say, you know, oh, but we, we don't have this in common or they don't have children or whatever. Just invite them over just so you can be in their presence. I mean, that's what people do with spiritual masters, right? You go to mm-hmm. a guru or you go to somebody to be in their presence. And there are right. a lot of people in the world who, who give off a good energy. So why not go be in their presence? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then some of the other actions, I think about rituals. I, I talk about rituals during the year. I talk about rituals, whether, you know, that either mark a holiday or that mark, you know, an, an, an event in your child's life or something that they've mm-hmm. accomplished. And to right. kind of add a little bit of a spiritual dimension to that, to really think about it more, more deeply and more profoundly. And same with birthdays. I mean, 
you think about your birthday. That's the day that you transitioned into this right. universe, into wow. this world. Right. And then mm-hmm. we mark it after that with no mention of that. I mean, <laughs> we have cake and presents and we take the kids to Chuck E. Cheese or to, you know, wherever. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. I mean, I think that those right. things are really fun. But I think right. why not also acknowledge that this was the day that your spirit right. transitioned into this right. world. Right. Yes. Yes. And I, and I, I love the, the term transition because to me, it, there's, no, there's no such thing as death. All there is is eternal life. Right. And we, we transition in and we transition out. And it's always our higher self who uh, selects. You know, it's always our higher self selection of when we come in <laughs> and when we go out. So there, it's never an accident. There's never mistakes. It's always perfect and divine. So um, I believe that um, we should celebrate all birthdays and all transitions of when they, when people transition out of the physical the same way with the same celebration you know we mm-hmm. how you know mm-hmm. when a baby's born the whole family and friends are all excited and think when when that person transitions back into spirit it should be just as much of a celebra- that kind of a celebration because they truly we're in society we are not taught um, the truth about transitioning out of this life. It's, um, you know, it's made to be a sad. Now, yeah, of course you're going to miss someone's physical presence. But right. um, understanding that they're truly not gone, when you know that, not just believe it, when you know it, they're not gone, you can still communicate with them. And, and, and just knowing that it's all still interconnected they're still connected to you um that just makes you want to just celebrate now that they're they're not limited by their physical body anymore you know are they're not i, they're I not agree suffering. with that yeah they're not suffering I agree with that, but if, if you if you yeah. thought it, if you think about it though if that started with the birth i mean it starts on the day of the birth you do recognize right. that something profound has happened on the day of the birth. But if you celebrated mm-hmm. on a person's birthday, your children's birthday, if every year you celebrated, this is the anniversary of that profound moment when you right. transitioned from another world into this world, then mm-hmm. when a person was ready to transition out, I think it might feel more natural. But it's because yes. we kind of cut ourselves off from the birth being the in, the death being the, you know, into the next, in right. between, we don't really ever talk about that. Right. Mhm. So true. So true. And it's it's you know just the way society has made has stigmatized it and and just you know made made us feel as if there's an end to life when there is no such thing as an right. end to life. Right. Yeah. I agree completely. So. Yep. Mhm. This is so so true. So, <laughs> so okay. So the book is changing your thoughts, your attitude, and then action. And I love, I love how you said um, action begins with the parent centering and connecting to their higher self. 
I say that all the time. I don't act from any place but I have to I have to first connect to higher self and first be in a peaceful state of mind before I can make any action outside of you know because the action comes from that place of being so it's about being before doing so it's yeah. great that you you said that about the parents first being grounded and and connected and then take action from there yes, yes although sometimes it. some of the practices that you might do can help to ground so, for example, when we talked about the, you know, eating mindfully and then mm-hmm. just, just sit for a minute in the beginning of your meal. So you might be hurried. You might be making dinner, just getting back from work or whatever, and you're throwing together dinner and you're kind of all over the place. So you're not centered at all. And then you sit right. down with your family and you say, okay, let's all take a minute and really right. taste what we're eating, really feel it and feel the sensation of it and feel how it tastes. You're doing that to center yourself. So mm-hmm. even if you didn't start out centered, that kind of practice can really help to center you. I think, which I'm sure you talk about quite a bit, because breathing practices are so powerful to connect you uh-huh. with your child, Uh-oh. and they're making you crazy. And one of my favorite what? expressions in the universe is to say, I'm beside myself. Because if you really think about what does that mean, it means that there's a self that you got beside. Mm-hmm. You have to get back to that self. That's your core. That's your oneness. That's your inner peace. And somehow, right. instead of being connected to that, you got beside that. And I think that right. is a big way and, and make us, as we do it ourselves, but being around our children can somehow sometimes facilitate us being beside ourselves. And so then mm-hmm. if you can take a few minutes to do some breathing practices, just do some deep breathing, three-part deep breathing, or any kind of breathing practice that maybe you learned in yoga or that you like to do, or just slowing your breath down, that can be a really powerful way to bring you back to yourself. So what I talk about in my book is a lot of times when my son, my son was a very intense child. So he, he needed to be around me a lot. And he just sometimes, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't that mellow when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mm-hmm. sometimes that would, that would kind of, you know, take me beside myself. And so I would say, let's play hide and go seek. And I would run and I would hide behind a door. And, you know, an open door in my house. And my house wasn't that big, so it wasn't like it was going to take him that long to find me. But while he was looking, I was using that time to do some breathing practices because Mm -hmm. that was how I was going to center myself. And if I would have said to him when he was two or three or four, okay, let's sit now and do some breathing practices, he wouldn't have gone for that. But I needed to do the breathing practice for me. Parents talk about, giving their kids a timeout. I always say parents need the timeout. You (laughs) need to take the timeout so that you can do a minute or two of breathing practices so that you can come back to the situation with a whole different mindset, being much more connected to that oneness. And it's from that place of oneness, of course, that you're going to react in a different way, that you're going to handle the situation totally differently than if you weren't connected from that to that place. That is so So true. So those things are... 
that is a great idea. Parents need the time out sometimes instead of instead of the child, like you said, to to breathe because that's that's how I deal with. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Breathe. Yes. And, breathe. And that was that's, that's such a great way to center yourself. Yes, it's just deep breathing, and um, that's a great um, idea you came up with. Is when the child is you're getting possessed beside yourself because of what the child is doing, you'll say, okay, let's play hide-and-seek. And then you go hide so you can... You can center yourself right. while the, right. while the I child needed is to hide. I needed that yes. minute. <laughs> that, is such, that is really yeah. a great and idea. And then he would find me. He would find me. Mm-hmm. He would be happy. He would think it was fun. Hey, you were hiding right. and I found you. It was all a good game. And by the time he mm-hmm. would find me, even if it was a minute, by the time he would find me, I would be in a different place. Yes. I would be so much calmer. And that's where mm-hmm. that's what it's about because when you can come from that place of connection, A, your relationship with your children is so much better. B, your own yes. inner peace and, and happiness in life is so much better. And then C, you just come up with better ideas. You just, you're just, you think better when, when yes. you're coming from that place. You're not as affected by what society told you your children should be doing or how they should be behaving. You're, when, you, when you connect, you know yourself. I like to talk about how parents should a lot more than they say no. And, again, mm. a lot of that comes from the way we've constructed our society. We make, these, we make our houses. We decorate our houses. A lot of parents, this was not me, but I, I know a lot of people who do this, and they decorate their house so that they look beautiful, but they're not children-friendly. So they, mm. their own child can't play rough, can't rough house and can't go wild in the house because there's too many things that could break and, you know, too many delicate objects and things like that. And so the parent ends up running around saying, no, 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 you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Right. That doesn't feel expansive to the child and it doesn't feel expansive to the parent. You're not right. connected to your oneness when you're saying no all the time. Of course, sometimes you have to say no. Of course, if your right. kid says, can I go run in the street now? No, you can't, you know. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if yeah. your 12-year-old can I says, play on the know, can I spend the night uh, somewhere dangerous? No, you can't. Right. But for the most part, we say no so much more than we have to. And the mm-hmm. reason is because we haven't set up our environment to be more of a yes environment. So yes. to the degree that parents can do that in their own homes with their own Fewer rules, smarter rules, you know, and a, a setup that where you take all your delicates, take all your breakables, put them away. You'll have plenty mm-hmm. of time to take them out, you know, 10 years from now. <laughs> I, had, I, got candles, I got candlesticks from a relative, mm-hmm. beautiful crystal candlesticks for my engagement. I took mm-hmm. them out about three years ago. They were in the closet <laughs> between then uh-huh. and now. Been married a long right. time. But I, was mm-hmm. always, I always felt like if I put those out, I would worry that somebody was going to be playing in a way that was going to be dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. So I would rather mm-hmm. play, let's have fun, and let's keep the right. candlesticks in the closet. Right. Yes, so true, very true. The, to have the environment where the child feels like they can just explore the, the whole house and not have to worry about no, no, no. That's so true. Right. Yeah. And it's better for the parent, though. It's better for you mm-hmm. not to be saying no all the time. It helps to keep you open to your center, to your essence, to be saying yes much more often. Yes. And then the true. third section of the book is nourish yourself. 
So I think mm-hmm. while the rest of the book is definitely geared towards moms or dads, to nourish yourself, while it's also good for dads, I really feel like moms need to hear that even more because mm-hmm. I think moms, moms, dads are a little bit better about protecting what they need. And right. moms really just completely generalizing, not everyone, obviously. But I think a lot of moms have decided there's no time left for me and I'm just going to accept that. And to right. the degree that there, there isn't time for you to be doing all the things you used to do before you had kids. Of course, that's kind of a given. But right. you have to make a little time. You have to carve out something in your day and in your week that really makes you come alive. Besides your kids, yes, your kids make you come alive, but they can't be everything to you. And if you make them everything to you, then you're setting them up to to feel like they have the weight of your happiness on them. And you can't do that to your kids. So you have to have something, things in your own life that make you feel excited, that make you feel good, that you're doing for you. And then when your kids are older, you can spend more time on them. While your kids are small, you can only spend a little time on them, but you, on yourself and on the things that bring you joy. But you can't forget that entirely. And I exactly. think that moms are really spend a lot. Yeah. Don't spend enough that, time. Yeah, I was just going to say that's so important. And I, and I, I stress that a lot on, on this show is the um, – me time, and like you said, when you have small children, it's hard to find me time, but uh, okay. it is important. So here are, that, here are yeah. a couple of the ways that I found me time when my kids were very young, and the first thing is when you wake up in the morning, so a lot of times, you know, the spiritual teachers always talk about how powerful the morning is and how you should do your breathing exercises in the morning. Well, if you have kids, you know, the morning is usually pandemonium. But what I like to do is the minute you wake up, before you even get out of bed, and if your kids are in the bed with you, before they even know you're awake, so don't move, mm-hmm. don't talk, don't let them know that you're up, and spend just a couple of minutes in the bed doing breathing practices before mm-hmm. you get out of bed, because that will center you. If you get out of bed first and say, okay, Oh, um, are you there? Hello? Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I thought we lost you for a second, but you're there. Okay. Oh, okay. You were okay. saying? Okay. okay. If you wait until, I'm going to wake up later. I'm going to get the kids ready. I'm going to get them up. I'm going to start breakfast or whatever, and then I'm going to spend a few minutes doing breathing practices. Most of the time, it's not going to happen. So if you do it in the bed the minute before, the minute you wake up, then that's a really powerful way to start your morning and to ensure that it's going to happen. Then mm-hmm. another way that parents who are very pressed for time can take care of themselves is in the shower in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, yes. okay, when you have little kids, maybe you don't even shower every day, but <laughs> <laughs> on the days when you do shower, why not spend, again, it's a shift in mindset primarily to feel I'm a queen in my shower mm-hmm. and not letting the water pour over me and anoint me with life and with love. I remember when my kids were probably in elementary school and I had to go on a business trip to Manhattan and I stayed with a girlfriend who was single who had an apartment in Manhattan 
And mm-hmm. I remember being most struck by her bathroom because in her shower, <laughs> she had all of these scented shampoos and this beautifully scented soap and these loofah sponges. And it just contrasted in my mind with my own shower, which had like mm-hmm. nothing in there, you know, a <laughs> basic shampoo right. and a basic unscented bar of soap. And I remember being in her shower and really feeling like royalty. Just things Mm -hmm. smelled so good, and I smelled so good, and it really made me feel good. And after that, I resolved. I'm going to – I'm not going to spend a lot of money on stuff, but I'm going to make sure my soap smelled delicious, that my shampoo smells delicious, and that I spend a few minutes in the shower really allowing myself to feel like – Oh, are you there? Meryl, um, we may have lost connection. Meryl, if you let me, let's see. We're not hearing you. Uh, Meryl is uh, calling in from a cell phone. Uh, she is away, and connecting with a cell phone is the only way she could connect. And we did lose her. So hopefully she will call back. She was giving us some great tips. Um, and just to recap some of the tips that she just was was sharing with us. Um, if you you have small children and you need to find some me time, okay, here she is. She's back. Okay, let's, okay. Hi, Meryl. Hi, what happened? Hi, yeah, Hello? we, yeah, you got we dropped. Sorry, that, that, that happens. I was just explaining to the listeners that you're calling in from a cell phone. And uh, because yes. you were away, and for that. that's a hey, no apologies. It, <laughs> hey, it is what. So what I actually was going to until you were coming, going to call back. I knew you would call back, but I was just recap, recapping for the listeners because you were kind of it was kind of hard to hear you. But the two um, great pieces of advice you just gave, tips you gave about um, if you have small children to do breathing exercises before, as soon as you wake up in the morning, before you get out of the bed, do some deep breathing exercises while you're still in the bed. And then also another opportunity is when you're in the shower to really just take your me time and and just whatever makes you feel wonderful, the scent of the soap and the shampoo and all that. So um, I was just sharing that with them. But now you're back. So now you, <laughs> you tell us. Yes. So a couple of other things. I think that parents a lot of times they think, I don't want my child exposed to movies that are, you know, violent or to books that are really horror-filled. And yet we don't question whether we want to expose ourselves to those things. And so I think if you want to think about, am I creating an environment in my own mind that's most conducive to connection with the oneness, then I think that you really need to, you really need to assess what images am I allowing in my own mind? Because most parents know, I don't want my kids to see that. So why should we Mm -hmm. want ourselves to see that? Exactly. (laughs) So, so true. We talk about that a lot. On my show, I personally, I stopped. Um, my higher self told me um, a few weeks after 9/11 to turn off the news and don't ever turn it back on. And at that uh, time, 
at that time, I didn't know why. I wasn't awake mm. to the truth of oneness at that time. I didn't wait to the truth of oneness to 2007. But at that time, I was I was always kind of obedient from my from what I knew my inner self was telling me to do. And mm. I it, it was loud and clear, turn off the news and don't ever turn it back on. And I have not. I have not. Mm-hmm. I get all the news I need to know. <laughs> there is no exactly. news that goes by that I that I need to know that I don't get. But um, I don't yes, watch I'm news. reading it. Yes, reading <laughs> it. I think is much more gentle to your own mm-hmm. mind and your thoughts than seeing. No, I, seeing I as far images. as mainstream news, it's not a, it's not in my radar at all. No news. And then I then years later I stopped watching the violence on television and mm-hmm. um is there so much violence just in cartoons? There's so much in There's cartoons. So much in everything. Oh my goodness. In everything. Yes. You go to a movie that's supposed to be good for children and somebody's mm-hmm. bleeding all over the place or mm-hmm. <laughs> they're decapitated. I always said I never understand this. We rate movies are for mm-hmm. sex. So mm-hmm. much and then and then they could be G or P G and have a lot of violence. Right. But somehow, like, the sex makes it so terrible. I would much rather myself and my children see <laughs> right. sex than to, to see know, two people making love. Down. Exactly. Yes. Than yes. to see somebody getting their head chopped off. I mean, yes. <laughs> I know it's, a, yes. it's, it's a matter pervasive. Of fact, and if you just. Exactly what you're ahead. saying. Exactly what you're saying. Neil Donald Walsh said on this show a few weeks ago. Exactly. Oh, wow. Huh. Yes. About it, It's better to have ch- a child watch two people making love than, you know, we we think that's so horrible to have a child watch we two people so making love, mm-hmm. but to see them shooting and killing and stabbing, and mm-hmm. that's, all, that's fine. He said the exact same thing a few weeks ago on this show. Yes. Right. <laughs> but I take it further. I don't think we should see it either. I think we right. should protect our own consciousness. It's not only mm-hmm. our children. Oh, definitely. We should be yes. careful. What do it's, we read? What books do we it, read? What movies do we see? What TV shows do we watch? Mm-hmm. I um after I forget when I want to say it was around 2010. I started watching only. Com- now I don't have uh, commercial television programming. I have Netflix and Hulu Plus, but I like to watch a lot of documentaries and things inspiring shows. But I, mm-hmm. I don't have commercial television. But before I got rid of commercial television, I decided I was only going to watch comedies or insp- something that was up- uplifting or made me laugh. That was all. Mm-hmm. 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 That's great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I had a friend once who said, oh, you have to read this book. It's fabulous. All right, fabulous. I should have asked more questions, you know, but I took the book. <laughs> I started reading it. I could not believe how many people were killed and dismembered, but it wasn't even a horror book. It was just kind of in the course of the storytelling. And I thought, oh my goodness. Why, why do I want to expose myself to this? I do not. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> so I don't. Exactly. I'm much more exactly. careful now. When people well, recommend when I, books, I'm much more careful. Careful, right. Well, when I awoke to how important our emotional state of being is, that's when I decided no more violent movies, no more violent television shows, which I never was big on it. 
never big on it, but I did like back in um um I guess the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, I liked like Criminal Minds and C S I and the, mm-hmm. I used to like those shoot shows and it's mm-hmm. like no more. No more of those shows because it's just what they show, all the 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 gore of you know, they show all the person getting murdered and and everything, you know, they don't have a problem showing a decapitated head. I'm like, this affects me emotionally. So Absolutely, and I can't and my emotions mm-hmm. are way too far you know, way important. I know how important my emotions are for my mental, physical and spiritual health. It's all about my emotions. So I I, I turned that off. I was like, Nope. It doesn't make me laugh <laughs> or, or right. it doesn't inspire me in an uplifting way, I'm not watching it. <laughs> That's a very good test. Yeah. Does it inspire mm-hmm. me or inter- make me laugh? Yep. Yes. And then just mm-hmm. one other thing that I think parents really need to focus on is the the things that really bring you passion before you have children. You mm. need to, in some way, incorporate them back into your life after mm-hmm. you have children, and especially sure. things that you like to create. So whether that's dance or whether that's art or whether that's writing or whether that's cooking or whether that's flower design, things that really you bring forth to the world, I think Mm -hmm. is something that really gives people meaning and joy in such a deep way that you can't just put that off like, okay, now I have kids, I'm going to wait another 10 years before I do that again. You really have to find a way, how can I, in a very small measures implement Mm -hmm. that in my life right now so you're not going to probably you know when my kids were little I really felt like I I mean I wrote for magazines I wrote that was my work I worked Mm part-time and then I was with my kids part-time and I kind of wanted to write a novel but I just knew that that wasn't the right time because they were so young but I wrote other things I really Mm -hmm. felt like I had to keep writing things for myself and some of those things were the essays that became enlightened parenting but also mm-hmm. just other things that I wrote for myself. And then when my kids were older, that's when I wrote my novel. I think, you know, if yeah. you love to cook, you're probably not going to have a lot of time to make five-course meals for 30 of your best friends. Maybe you did that before you had kids. But when you have okay. kids, maybe you're going to be able to bake an amazing dessert once in a while. But do that. Mm-hmm. Don't say, right. I don't have time for this. I can't do it anymore. You really exactly. need things that make you feel come alive you really need to keep that in your life and that's that's so true to always follow your passion even if it's on a smaller scale when you have children even even if it's just taking a few minutes a day to do something like writing or or cooking or whatever your your soul and your passion and by you doing that you're demonstrating that to your children right that's true to always follow their passion Yes. That's true. Okay, mommy loves to do that, and she does it a little bit every day. Okay, Uh, I love to do this. I think I'll do this a little bit every day, you know? It's it's modeling that for your children, which is amazing. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Yes. These are all wonderful tips, isn't it? It's so, and it's like I said, it's so wonderful. These are wonderful tips for parents and for moms especially, and it's Mother's Day weekend. What a wonderful yeah, gift. Mother's Day. To give mothers. Yeah. Now you have another gift to share with our listeners and our moms for Mother's I Day. I do. 
because yes. it's another and another piece of fortuitous coincidence. Yes. I have a Mother's Day giveaway that ends actually this evening of thirty five ebooks of my book Enlightened Parenting. So that <laughs> giveaway is still going on. It ends at midnight tonight. And you just Eastern. have to go to my What's Facebook page. We're global, so we have to let them know. Nobody's drawing Eastern. names until Saturday morning here. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anytime okay. tonight is fine. Yes. You, okay. And so you just have to go on my Facebook page, which is Meryl David's Landau. And then the post at the top talks about the giveaway. And okay. you just have to enter on that post. So very, very simple good. and 35 books, so your chances of winning are pretty good. And I think that it's a particularly good book to receive on Mother's Day because it's a gift oh. to yourself to really remind yourself about ways that you can connect to your oneness as a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that I think is really important for parents is the way I end the book, and that is that parents need to stop beating themselves up for not being perfect parents. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. mothers and fathers, hold, we hold ourselves to this impossible vision of what parenting is supposed to look like and what we as parents are supposed to look like and act like. And when we don't, we beat ourselves up. And, of course, beating yourself up is the exact opposite of connecting to oneness. You're disconnecting exactly. from your oneness. And mm-hmm. so... Um, I love the teachings of Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks. Oh. And so there's a quote. There's <laughs> yes, a quote I love in my book. Everything, everything is unfolding perfectly. And as you relax and find ease in your attitude of trust, knowing that well-being is your birthright, amazing things will happen. And I think that parents especially, we need to just remember that. Everything is unfolding perfectly. And we're perfect, so just relax and enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is so, so true. Please, Meryl, share with our listeners how they can stay in contact with you. So I have Your a website, website Meryl mm-hmm. David's Lando, and that's David's Lando, Meryl like Meryl Streep, David's Lando. And on the website, you can sign up for my mailing list. You can also read excerpts from my books both the novel, Downward Dog, Up with Frog, and Enlightened Parenting on the website. And I also blog pretty regularly at Huffington Post. And there's Mm -hmm. also a link from my website to my blogs at Huffington Post. And a lot of those are on family um, and Mm -hmm. spirituality topics. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much, Meryl, for being with us this Mother's Day weekend. This is, like I said, it's so divine timing. It's such a perfect gift for mothers. And you have a wonderful Mother's Day weekend because you're a mom. Thank <laughs> you. You, you do. have two thank grown you. children that are going to probably treat you really good this weekend. So, <laughs> so, I hope you- so. You have a great, wonderful weekend, and thank you so much for sharing with our listeners all this wonderful, all these wonderful tips for parenting. And in this day and age, we we definitely need it because we want our our children, the new this new generation, to be more awake. <laughs> it's all about the mm-hmm. awakening, the truth of who we, we are. We do. Awakening so it starts with the parents remaining awake. Yes. 
Yes. Thank so you. I appreciate so it. True. Have another day thank to you. you. Oh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.